There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. We can roll the image, make it flutter. We can change the focus to a soft blur or sharpen it to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you see and hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your television set. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. No power in the verse can stop me. What's going on, guys? My name is Alden Nero, and welcome to episode fucking hell. <laughs> you didn't check, did you? <laughs> no, it's not that I didn't check. It's that I know what one it is. Um, uh, it's the one after 52. So 54? <laughs> no, the one before 54. Uh, uh, sorry, you're going to have to refresh my memory. Uh, it's episode 53, isn't it? 53, isn't it, fam? 53, World War. 53. Um, yes, it is episode 53, and I'm joined by Jack. As you may have guessed by this point, yeah. Yeah, if you didn't know that by now, and it's probably not for you. Um, oh, yeah. But we've been on a roll lately. We've been... You know, banging out these fortnightly a roll episodes. Of, a roll of, what is it, two? <laughs> a roll of, no, three, I, I think. Um, is it three? Yeah, because the Christmas one, the New Year one, the... the last one that we did, so it's a, roll, it's a roll of three. Yeah, fortnightly episodes. This is yeah. this will be the fourth. We are absolutely killing it. Um, <laughs> but I, I genuinely think that the quality of the shows has increased dramatically. I, I think the last one that we did, the Colts one, was so good, and... Uh, it was up exclusively on SoundCloud and not YouTube, uh, which sort of led to a drop in the number of viewers or listeners, which I kind of expected would happen because people just don't like clicking links or whatever. Uh, this yeah. one should be on YouTube. I don't know if it is or not. It depends on how busy I will be. But uh, please do continue to subscribe on SoundCloud and please do continue to like it over there. I think it's the most natural and logical course for this yeah. show to take like it it's so much easier uh it's downloadable that way as well exactly yeah i i think you have to be on a pc to download it as far as i know mm. um i tried to see if it was possible on a phone but i just couldn't seem to find yeah. the button um i actually find the soundcloud app to be very strangely uh, laid out yeah, on phone apps. It's great on yeah. computers, but it's weird for phones. It's like it's not properly set up for phones. But um yeah, anyway, no matter what platform you're on, how about leaving the episode a like? Because we really need your... I just like sat up in my seat with my arms outstretched. <laughs> you can't see me. Um, but yeah, like, if you want to just like show support for the show, it would be, it would be much appreciated. Cause, yes, it would be. Yeah, we do such a great job. And uh, we're, yeah. we're, we're, just, we're just great guys. Yeah, yeah, top logs. Yeah, 
So, Oaks really, isn't it? today's episode is about how childhood can influence your adulthood, specifically how your childhood experiences and memories and fears and things like that shape certain aspects of your adult life. Um, I'm looking yeah. at some statistics at the moment that say 4 out of 10 Americans report that they have had one or more childhood experiences they believe had a harmful effect on their health as an adult. Um, it's 39% is, is the actual uh, percentage given, and I find that to be a really large number, uh, believe had a harmful effect on their health as an adult. Um, I'm sure there is something that I would put into that category, but I can't think of it right now. Mm. Um, it's a strange one, but some some obvious things about um, like studies that have been done. It, it was really hard to research this topic because all the studies are geared towards one specific finding. Like they're wondering mm. if childhood experiences can affect one certain aspect of adulthood. Where I was looking for a more broad sort of spectrum to to quote from. So what we were saying earlier was that a lot of this episode will be sort of anecdotes and unsighted, you know, unsourced guesses <laughs> a lot of armchair psychology going on but that's also every episode of the Midnight yeah. Hour so. yeah you've just really summed up every episode that we do we you know we open about 15 tabs yeah. and anything re- mildly relevant kind of regurgitate something that we found earlier and the things we're truly passionate about are always articles that we can never remember reading <laughs> <laughs> but I remember this one article I'm sure it was a thing yeah um <laughs> We found um, one study came up with kind of what you would expect to be an obvious thing, but it basically said that the type of emotional support that a child receives during the first three and a half years um, has an effect on education, social life, and romantic relationships 20 to 30 years later, which you might not be surprised by, but if you think about it, the first three and a half years, what do you even remember from your first three and a half years? Nothing. But, you know, I suppose it's not necessarily something that you remember, but it's something that forms your, uh, that's, you know, when your your whole psychology as a person is, I suppose, initially being formed and developed. Yeah, that's and It's thing. not necessarily, you know, long-term memories that are being put there, but, or built upon. That's the, you know, the foundation for your attitude and your personality, I suppose. Yeah, not- one of the things I um, managed to, to find out while I was researching this was how memory is formed and how memory actually works. And basically, they did a test with uh, kids in primary school, in, in the very first stages of primary school. And they subjected kids to like standard uh, childhood experiences and then asked them about it. And these kids couldn't explain it because they didn't have the vocabulary built to Mm. articulate certain experiences that they had. So they were then taught the words that they needed to actually explain the experiences. And when they learned the words to describe the experiences, they still had difficulty articulating what they meant. Which I find to be super interesting because it shows that language and memory are actually really, really strongly linked. So... Mm you actually have huge difficulty building memories like if you're not as literate as you know like the average person it it makes it harder for you to do it um the first two years of life are sort of where you start forming your sense of self um Mm -hmm. in, in the very very early stages like 
Um, it's actually not true to say that the brain hasn't developed yet to learn um, how to memorize stuff and everything. It's that you have no sense of what the world is at all. No, yeah. Um, you know the peekaboo game that you play with kids when you... Yeah. Yeah, when you do that and when you cover your face, you literally stop existing to that kid. Um, like, it's genuinely true. You disappear from their world and you don't exist anymore. Mm. Uh, and I find that really interesting. I, I really like the correlation between language and memory because they're sort of similar in a way anyway like the way you actually learn a language is a lot how you like learn to remember stuff mm -hmm. and um th there's always been like everyone is aware that if you write something down you're more likely to remember it and things yeah. of that nature um speaking of memory I, I was actually like on a bus the other day thinking as i always am when i'm on yeah. a bus. i was traveling recently was nothing else to do on a bus what yeah. you gonna do, talk to people <laughs> listen to music <laughs> no. um but I was thinking about how bizarre and kind of just just outrageous it is that you can remember things like smells and mm. feelings and stuff. Like, that's really, really weird to me. Yeah, things that don't have, <clears throat> like, a, a kind of like a tactile touch to them. They're not like a physical... Yeah, and thing i suppose yeah they're not a thing that you can sort of define with words either no like, yeah just really difficult things like you can even yeah. recall tastes and um even like emotions if you think about certain situations and can recall that anger and stuff mm. it's very strange yeah. i think that we have a brain so powerful that we can actually tap into things like that and that's I don't I don't even know why I brought that up. I was just thinking about it the other day, and it really just blew my mind. I was just sitting yeah. there like, like, fucking hell, isn't that just bizarre? Like I can just mint and chocolate chip ice cream. I I can recall exactly what yeah, that tastes. Yeah, I know exactly like. what it tastes like. I can. Yeah, that's really weird. But um, yeah, we have been sort of uh, thinking about how to approach this topic, and I think one of the best things to do is to read an article and tear it apart piece by piece. <laughs> Um, but no, I found this article, well, it's more of a listicle, and it seems yeah. like a kind of a, almost like, if someone linked me this, I would think it was a piece of garbage journalism. It's from Business mm. Insider. Um, Why Business Insider UK is uh, chatting about psychology and child psychology is kind of beyond me. Yeah. But, you know, each to their own. Yeah. Um, it, at least this information is is in some way sourced. So, I mean, that gives it some form of credibility in my eyes. Um, the first point on it is, if your parents didn't let you make decisions, you might be codependent as an adult. Um, I kind of, like what it says is, if you had a helicopter parent who didn't allow you to dress yourself or choose your own playmates and food, you may end up as a codependent adult. Uh, like, I guess that makes sense. But... Yeah, like I, you know, I've I've had a quick read through this whole thing, and a lot of it is like, well, if you were taught that one plus one equals two as an adult, you'll believe that one plus one equals two, and it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm saying this straight off the bat because you will find a trend of if your parents did everything for you when you were a child. You rely on someone to do everything for you as an adult. That's exactly. It's like, well, yes. Like no shit. Thanks, Sherlock. That's the life goal for a lot of people <laughs> who are in that situation. I mean, 
it doesn't mean stop dressing your kids and stuff like that. Like yeah. you have to do that up to a certain point, but then you have to realize that they need to be independent. Um, yeah. I can't really recall. I I think I'm very very fortunate in that. Like I don't think there was ever a point where my mum could tell me what to wear. Like I, I used to just that. That's one thing that I've always felt incredibly strongly about. Um, to the point where it actually like. Uh, it works against me in a lot of ways as an adult. Like, and, and this is something that genuinely I, I I can't accept the fact that we live in a world where you're judged by what you wear. And I don't mm. even mean in the sense that like if a guy wears a pink t-shirt, he's seen as a homosexual or things like that. Like yeah. I, that's all bullshit, and I can see past that, and I'll wear what I want in that aspect, and let people make their own assumptions, and I don't care. But I fucking hate that we live in a society where in order to work in an office you have to dress in really uncomfortable a suit clothes. And a tie. Yeah, what is that? What like what even is a tie? A tie is a thing that pisses me off so much and I have tried so hard to like assimilate into adulthood and become an adult. But like a tie was a thing a tie is a thing that was invented to cover the buttons on a shirt. Like just that alone makes me so angry. Why don't you just make I... shirts without buttons if that's the fucking case? Like I feel like I have heard this before like someone has said this before and I have the feeling it's you it was either me or you that said this I think that a tie is just a very convenient form of suicide for when you get bored with the mundanity of life I think that's a Twitter discussion we had once because <laughs> that that has risen into surfaced in my memory yeah I think you're right <laughs> and that sounds eerily similar I think I had a sort of that one of us might have said I actually can recall um, back in June, it was the day before I started my work, um, the job that I'm in now. It was June 18th. I actually remember this quite vividly because <laughs> I was at my girlfriend's house and I was so fucking nervous about this job. Like, I, I think uh, over the last year, I have completely transitioned into an entirely new human being. Like, I'm so much more confident, yeah. so less awkward and stuff. But um, the final sort of stage of that transition was... Realising you had to wear a tie. June 18th, and just realising that this was something that I had to do. And I, I can remember just feeling so awkward and out of place. And so, like, having to wear shoes, like actual shoes. Like, not, yeah. not trainers. Like, that freaks me out. I don't like it. It's not comfortable. They have no grip on them. They're not... For when any reason, I, like, I can't find a single reason for them being practical. Like, I just don't understand, and I never will understand, and I know I just have to accept it and stuff. Um, but I actually do think a large part of that comes from the fact that I was allowed to wear whatever I wanted as a kid. Mm. Um, I, I remember once going to a wedding in jeans and a hoodie, um, <laughs> and I was the best man. But <laughs> um, Oh, I bet the bride loved you. <laughs> <laughs> um... The, things like that really really annoy me but I do remember mm. that June 18th day I was so nervous and just like absolutely panicking in, in a way that I, I don't feel like I'll ever be that nervous again in my life because mm. I feel like I've achieved the confidence. Yeah, gotten over the hump of Yeah, but that still, kind of thing, yeah. shirt tie, slacks, shoes I think yeah. those are all things that are archaic and I, I just yeah. think they are the result of this outrageous sort of old white man traditional attire yeah i think it's just an extension of kind of you know school uniforms and having everyone conform to this certain look so that no one wants to step out of line and do something kind of you know out there 
I don't know because I, ha- I have the feeling, and you know, I've seen a lot of things that kind of, you know, the kids are all meant to look exactly the same. You know, when you put them in a school uniform, mm-hmm. and it's meant to kind of remove this idea that there's, uh, it, you know, people will claim that it, it helps remove the idea that there's kind of a uh, class systems and kids will get treated differently by their peers and by the teachers based on uh, the wealth of their parents. Yeah. Um, so it would make sense, I suppose, I think in my professional opinion. I think it's actually <laughs> not that. I think the school uniform thing is, like you said, it's to introduce uniformity, it's to create a, <laughs> you know, a system where everyone's the same. I, I, I think it's definitely... Um, I think the reason school uniforms are maintained are to avoid classism uh, mm. because you'll have one guy in Nike Air Max and another kid in like like little, yeah sports direct yeah yeah and 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 they'll get like bullied for that because that's kids yeah um, kids are dicks yeah and that'll happen but I think the work clothes thing is actually a result of classism and I think it's to say if you want to work for because most like sort of capitalist corporate co- corporation corporations mm. that people would want to work for nowadays sort of do have a very old white man archaic worldview about mm. certain things and these are the people that you have to impress so these are the people that you have to dress like in order to get that promotion and stuff and, and I think it's actually really interesting to see the difference in uh, multinational corporations that are being run by entrepreneurs and those types of uh, ideologies creeping into the corporate world mm. in that like Facebook and Google and stuff, they don't have that kind of uniform at all. No. And they don't have any uniformity. And I, I think it is the case. And I would go out on a limb and say this, having done no research on it whatsoever, <laughs> that most companies where you have to wear a shirt and tie are run by either a director or a series of directors who are mm-hmm. old white males. Yeah. I think that's a thing. Yeah, I think there's also kind of this... Um, there's also the fact that a lot of, you know, like, especially tech kind of startups and tech companies and stuff like that, you know, you mentioned, like, Facebook and everyone kind of knows that Google is all very relaxed and mm-hmm. can be very happy-clappy with how they dress and stuff like that. Um, and that's kind of you know one of the tropes of in, especially in films of uh, and TV of like a tech startup or a tech company is that everyone's walking around in cargo shorts and flip flops, yeah, uh, kicking fucking bean bags at each other and stuff. Yeah. Um, like you know that's kind of because there's no kind of face to face meetings where you kind of have to assert your power, as it were. Yes. You know, wearing, you know, say you go into um, an insurance broker and you're meeting with a client and you want them to take you seriously as someone that can handle their money and like a million pounds worth, you know, an account that's worth millions of pounds. No one's going to take the dude in cargo shorts and flip-flops seriously. That's the thing. And that's like, that's the thing I have a serious issue with and have yeah. had a serious issue with all my life. And I think... Like, I really, really, really despise that. Like, I don't come from lower class or anything. Like, I Mm. would say, oh, well, I'm kind of very much working class. And I just really fucking despise any sort of, like, oh, I'm... I I, I despise any sort of 
upper class bragging or just upper class like showing off of what you're wearing and stuff. Yeah. Apart from like a Drake Christmas jumper, for example, which is just a marvelous piece of clothing that I yeah, will naturally. absolutely brag about owning because it makes me better than you. But these people think that everything they wear is a Drake Christmas jumper, and mm. that is incorrect. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I actually think one of the huge influences from my childhood is my still to this day um, distrust of authority of any kind. I have a natural inclination to think the worst of my authority figures, mm. and I kind of have. Uh, what a lot of people would call an inferiority complex when it comes to authority, I always feel like they're out to get me or they don't have my best interest at heart or something like that. And that's the result of my schooling. And, like, interestingly, some of that ties back to the fact that it was very difficult for my teachers to get me to come to school mm. in my actual uniform. Like, I would always wear, like, trainers or, you know, a hoodie over my yeah, yeah. jumper and stuff. And that's... I was difficult, so they were difficult with me, so I don't trust authority because of that. And that's a legitimate thing that is definitely a result of, you know, constant arguments I've had throughout my childhood and stuff like that. Mm. And there's no getting around it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that all makes sense. Um, I think. The next thing on this list says that if your parents were super controlling, you might be a stubborn adult. I love the word might. Yeah, like you know, you might be, you might not. Uh, this 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 sentence actually just means nothing. Um, you know, pff, it really know? means like, it, that. That's literally a nothing sentence. Yeah, that's a complete nothing sentence. But then it also says in the paragraph, small paragraph, paragraph below that the children will also likely grow up to inherit the trait of being, you know, super controlling. Yeah, and again, that kind of makes sense. You know. The parents super controlling. The child has no control. They grow up. They can finally have control, so they exert it in every possible way they can. I sort of see that. Um, I've seen that throughout my life. In that, one person's father treated them one way, so their mm. uh, their kids are treated the same way and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't. This is obviously a generalization, but I feel like that is a predominantly uh, Generation X trait, and I feel mm -hmm. like. Millennials are really doing the opposite of that, and I think millennials are really rebelling against that. I feel like the millennial spirit is much more one of, well, my dad treated me like shit, therefore I'm going to treat my son great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like, you know, I don't know where kind of um, stuff like, uh, I suppose... The people who are having parent uh, having children now who are kind of part of the kind of anti vax vaccination movement yeah and things like that i you know that really they must they must be kind of the i suppose they will be millennial almost millennials yeah yeah, and they kind of kind of been brought up with really controlling parents and they are the example of this kind of growing up to inherit this trait of you know being super controlling yeah, and completely distrusting of for some reason modern science and medicine yeah which for any logical thinking human being completely baffles me i'm thinking that we should actually do an episode about how in 2016 there is a flat earth movement and yeah of that nature. with 
and I was going to say with several very wealthy and famous people, but you know, being behind that as a kind of a thing, but you know, you don't have to be a even slightly intelligent to be wealthy or famous nowadays. So, just because celebrities believe in all this incredibly stupid shit is uh, no you know, kind of uh, notes towards the general intelligence of the people that kind of believe it. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's something that we should definitely put on the mm-hmm. list of episodes, which now has 397 topics on it, for those of you wondering. Um, but yeah, it, it's sort of, I, I guess neither of us are parents, so it's harder for us to say. Mm. But um, I would imagine if I ever become a father again, mm. Um, I will do an even better job than I did with the first kid. So that's yeah, the one that you is that the one you nicknamed the project. That's correct. Yeah, um, yeah. His middle name is Experiment Thirteen. <laughs> it's it's a crazy thing. Um, a lot of mistakes were made, but here we are. What can you do? Yeah. Um, if you were allowed to watch TV as a baby, you may have suppressed communication skills. Um, I I think this this idea is actually it, it, they they quote a study and they say after observing mothers and children researchers found that tv reduces parent child communication but i mean if you wanted to prove something like that it's so easy to do it and a lot of people are saying it about phones nowadays that mm. they reduce communication and in- interaction between humans i believe the complete opposite is true but i can definitely see an argument to be made that yeah. uh, mobile phone communication is decreasing human interaction which is important to yeah. develop social skills definitely um, yeah but if you want to say something like oh tv reduces parent child communication yes by all means put a child and a parent in a room and put something captivating on the telly and obviously they're not going to fucking talk to it because they're not dickheads presumably so see i'm i've got a problem with i think the the person that's written this article has the completely wrong end of the stick from the findings of the study that they've quoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they've said that researchers found that TV reduces parent-child communication. Even when there was speaking involved, the parents' comments were typically unrelated to what their children said. So, I think it's more of a fact that if your parents were, you know, the kind, you know, kind of couch potatoes that sat there and just watched TV and didn't kind of engage with you as a child, then you'll have suppressed communication skills. It's got nothing to do with the fact that their parents have kind of sat the kid down in front of the telly. It's that they've sat down in front of the telly with the kid. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not a case of the child having watched too much TV that's made them unable to communicate. It's the fact that their parents haven't kind of involved themselves with their child. No, like... Because they've been too busy watching tv they're separating spending time with their kid and watching tv they're turning them into two separate things Mm. so they're like this is not me spending time with my kid this is me watching tv that will lead to suppressed communication skills Mm. because that's suppressing communication yeah like i i was raised with a lot of television yes i don't feel i i would say if there was any negative impact to be had, it's the one that everyone who listens to this show knows, and it's that I think movies are real life an awful <laughs> lot of the time. And when talking about real life things, serious real life things, I have a tendency to quote films <laughs> and uh, and scenarios and movies and stuff. And... Yeah, like I, you know, I watched a ton of TV as a kid, 
Um, and you know, the only thing, the only problem that that gave me was the fact that I'd rather sit there and get fat and watch TV than do anything else. Uh, really, so the only thing that contributed to was me getting fat, but and that's not a problem. There is nothing better than eating food and watching TV. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I'd I'd, I'd say that you know, there's two people that have watched quite a substantial amount of TV and film in our formative years. I think you know we're relatively eloquent. Yeah. I don't think we'd be able to manage a podcast with 53 episodes if we weren't. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Although the first 51 episodes are just static. They are just gibberish. Yeah, for an hour and a half. Complete gibberish. It's crazy how it all worked out, really, when you think about it. Um, by the way, for anyone that thinks that Jack is fat now, uh, look at his Instagram and... Tell him to stop going I'm, to the gym. I'm, all the time. I'm suddenly, I'm suddenly slightly swole. <laughs> yeah, you won't even drink beer anymore because of. No, the... no. Crazy. Um, uh, what's gone wrong? So the next thing is, I I have a huge issue with the next point. And to be honest, I think we might just leave this as the last point from this article. Yeah. Um, if you watch lots of violent TV, you're more likely to be an aggressive grown-up. Uh, this is according to a 15-year study. Uh, children model their behaviors after violent scenes where the perpetrators are rewarded for violence. So, like, what do we have to counter this, if not anecdotal evidence? Um, I never saw The Lion King as a kid, and that surprises mm. everyone. But, like, the list of Disney movies that I have not seen is astronomical i think i saw mulan and mm. that might be it but well, like when i was a kid i was raised on um jean-claude van damme movies and steven seagal movies <laughs> and stuff so like this is where my love of uh, action movies and everything comes from is like from a very young age i was watching movies that were absolutely not for me at all i was not in the target audience and they were very violent and i have never even been in a fight in real life, um, yeah. the only thing I've ever done that has like come close to fights is like me being beaten up by other people. Um, I've I have no inclination to lead with violence, like in any aspect of my yeah. life at all. Like I've never, I mean, I've gotten angry at video games and I've broken controllers and stuff, but I've never, I, I've just never really been a violent person at all. Um, and I know I'm just one person. And I have a different set of circumstances and, and everything that add to to that idea and all, but I just, it's just not true. Like that, children are more likely to. Yeah. Learn. And apparently, my mom tells me I was like quite an angry kid as well. And a lot of people think that I'm a really angry adult, but like truth be told, I've never expressed violence at all. So, I just. Yeah. This, you know, this just go. This all just goes hand in hand with the whole you know video games are evil and rock music is yeah. polluting the youth of today and it's like no yeah. <laughs> like i i can't vocalize it but it gives the example of if a child watches a detective who's rewarded for bringing a murderer to justice after a violent clash it'll result in more pushing grabbing and shoving from the child yeah i I can't even believe that a child would understand that the person has been rewarded for their violence because no. like I know that as a kid there's a movie called Another 48 Hours 
It's mm-hmm. got Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy in it. It's from the early 90s. It's directed by Walter Hill. It's a nothing movie. It's a standard <laughs> 5 out of 10 low-budget action yeah. movie. Turn your brain off and watch. Yeah, and I must have seen that movie about 170 times. I own it. On, I own two copies of it on DVD. And I, I, I owned it on VHS and everything as well back in the day. But, um... I did not have a fucking clue what the plot to that movie even was until I was about 12. Like, I, I used to watch it so much because the the shooting scenes were really cool. And Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, like, they crack a lot of skulls to get to the bottom mm. of the case. And, like, it's, it's about this guy called Jack Cates who, in standard cliche cop movie thing gets like suspended from duty and has to go out on oh, his own does he have to give it his badge and his gun he absolutely had to Excellent. give it his badge and his gun hallmark um, of a great film that then he even there's a scene where he even bought a fake badge in a toy shop and used that as his badge and Jesus. still played cop it's so good it's such a good movie everyone should go and watch it um but yeah like he had to do a lot of that and he had to do a lot of cheating and play acting mm. to get a lot of bar fights to get the stuff, to get the information out of people and everything, and I didn't have a clue of that. I was like, "That's not children. Don't see that as no. you being rewarded for something. Like that's not no. how the world works." So I like really, children have not only a short attention span but a short memory, and depending on. Like age, like this. There was a there was a study because I did A level psychology, so you know I do know what I'm talking about. Uh, um, You're an expert was, in this. Yeah, I basically got a PhD mm, yeah. uh, in child psychology, and but there but there's this there was this study where um the like the the researcher sat in front of the child and poured like had a glass of water that was like tall and skinny and a glass of water that was short or like a glass that was short and fat poured the water from the tall skinny glass into the short and fat glass and was like is there the same amount there and they were like no there's more in this one now <laughs> because it's look it's bigger because it's wider wow and that shows you like the kind of cognitive ability of children yeah like, they were they were they were as far as i can wait like six or seven like you know there wasn't kind of that translation there of like the volume from that one went just straight into that other one all they saw was that one's big, that one's skinny. Like they didn't see, you know, they didn't kind of put two and two together, as it were. So a child will see a violent scene and go, "That was a violent scene," and then they'll see the person get the bad guy and they'll go, "Oh, he got the bad guy," and they won't go, "Oh, he got the bad guy because he was violent." Like yeah. it's that kind of thing. Yeah, it's he got the bad guy because he's the good guy. He's the good guy. Yeah. That's it, what, things are a lot more black and white when you're a child. It's yeah, absolutely. You, like, I, I, and I think a huge like testament to that is how many people just assume that the protagonist in any movie is the good guy. Like, yeah. there are movies where the person being followed, like the person that the movie follows, is like not a good guy at all. Um, but people will just assume that they are the good guy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Off the top of my head, the first half of place beyond the pines like ryan gosling in that movie is not a good mm. guy and the i don't know he like he's built up to be the protagonist who walks the fine line between good person um who just keeps getting pulled down into ba- basically the character he plays from drive and every other movie yeah but 
Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It, like when you're a kid, it's about black and white, good and evil. You know, Jedi Knight or Sith Lord, and mm. it's not about violence rewarding people. But then again, I could just be like I'm. I'm using my own experience to belittle a study, and to mm-hmm. be quite honest, I hate people who do that because it's the same thing that leads to this attitude of, oh, these asylum seekers, why don't they just get a job? I worked when I was a kid, and I had no problem and stuff like that. And I, I hate that attitude, and I'm kind of being that. And I'm really aware that I'm being it, and I I don't mm. like it. Um, yeah, so I think uh, to move this in, like one one thing that I read right that is kind of super interesting to me mm-hmm. is that um, a serial killer is a very well defined thing in the sense mm. that everyone c- kind of has a basic understanding of what a serial killer is. Mm-hmm. Movies have played a huge part in that, and I guess it's because. The serial killer is the perfect movie villain in a way because yep. they have a code and they have a definition and they have characteristics that are so well understood. Well, tra- yeah, easily to, to kind of translate, especially through yeah. So their film, there's not a whole lot of extra effort required mm-hmm. when putting a serial killer into something. There is a thing called the McDonald Triad, which is a characteristic, uh, a set of things. Um, that happen to most serial killers at a young age. It's something that they all have in common. And the three things are, from a young age, if a child is interested in arson, if they like, like you know, burning mm-hmm. stuff, basically, um, that's not good. Also uh, characterized is cruelty to animals, which is mm-hmm. one of the biggest sort of tropes of a serial killer yeah definitely yeah one of the main characteristics is that it starts with animals and that's mm-hmm. the, the trial run they do um so you got cruelty to animals arsony and then the third thing th- uh, that everyone looks out for for serial killers is unintentional bedwetting during sleep persistent after the age of five and i was really surprised to learn that it was those specific three things um mm. the bedwetting thing made me like super like sympathize because it's almost as if there's no idea like there's no sort of psychological explanation for why bedwetting after the age of five is a thing that's consistent in serial killers but it's believed Mm. as you can probably guess that it's to do with the humiliation of um you know getting caught and the parents get mad and the kid just feels Mm. terrible about themselves and stuff I find that to be such a bizarre thing. Like, yeah. I, I don't know why anyone should be made to feel ashamed for something that they literally cannot control. Control, yeah. Like, that, that's, I don't know, that's crazy. But it's mm. it's very interesting, I think, that those three things are, um, you know, like, very prevalent in mm-hmm. serial killers. And yeah, the... um. I was just just doing a little bit of reading about the um, bedwetting, and it does actually say that it's kind of a it's been described as a destructive and entirely discredited myth that cr- a lot of crime researchers have acknowledged that it's not linked with kind of uh, sociopathic behaviour later on in life. Really? Cause th- so it's completely unclear, really, as to whether 
that is, you know, as I mean, it's an entrenched stereotype that it's part of this kind of triad of evil, as it were. Yeah, yeah. But uh, a lot of people kind of dispute the bedwetting thing completely. I listened to a podcast about serial killers, and mm. I know that it's a thing. These uh, statistics and this data was comprised by several different uh, investigation teams. Like, yeah, um, it, they used crime records from like you know most police stations in America, um, mm-hmm. and they also had FBI agents uh, help like supply the data and stuff. Yeah. So um, I I didn't actually mm. know that it was disputed at all. But um, mm. I, I guess it depends on what study that you could use. Like yeah. I know it says on the Wikipedia thing that it's been called an urban legend, but yeah, I also know that if it's something that the police look out for and that they have characterized yeah. themselves, like I don't know, I find it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could be, it could go either way. I think it would require more extensive reading to figure out what kind of side the thing lies on but you know just you know if any of you have kids out there just keep an eye out anyway just in case well i think like irrespective of the bedwetting thing if you're being mm. grilled animals and you're really interested in fire like that, yeah that, yeah that's something to i think out. uh you know I, I think the um i think there's a there's a general kind of uh i think everyone's been fascinated with fire at some point in their life but i think uh kind of you know, destructive fascination with fire is the thing to look out for, because yeah. you know, simply because fire is interesting, man. Like it, it appeals to the you know base, uh, kind of, you know, real Neanderthal inside you, yeah. a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I've never Am I sounding been... a bit like a psychopath now? You are sympathizing. Am I sounding like I'm? Oh god, I'm a psychopath sympathizer. You did tell you me one, earlier that you watched you... one episode of Making a Murderer, and here you are, Jesus. <laughs> You did DM me earlier on Twitter and say you have an uncontrollable urge to kill a person, so... Yeah, yeah, and um, I have been wetting the bed again recently. Yeah, so there you have it. You Quite frequently and copiously. <laughs> I have a candle that's lit right now. That's about as interested in fire as I get in the yeah. literal sense. I enjoy fire as a metaphor, <laughs> but uh, I've never been interested in fire at all. My cousin Dara, who's been on this show, he had a huge interest in fire. I was once in his room, and he he was wearing only his boxers because he had just come out of the shower, and he sprayed himself with links and lit the links on fire. That's a that's an interesting move, that one. He just set himself on fire because he could. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite things that's ever happened has just come to light. Oh, Dear God. Lord, what an absolute hero! That is. Yeah, that is certainly something special. Yeah, don't try that at home. No, yeah, don't try that at home, kids. Jesus. <laughs> what a guy. Ah, he's definitely coming back on the show. He has so much more to give. Just to set himself on fire first. Yeah, for an hour. <laughs> Just an hour of screaming. What could go wrong? Nothing, I'd imagine. No, um, what could possibly go wrong? Should we move into fears that shaped your adulthood? Yeah. I find... Fear to be a very fascinating thing. We've done a podcast about it in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our better ones. Well, yeah, probably the best one. No, that's not true. We've, uh, we've probably, we're all the best. That was our peak then, but now we're like really on fire. And yeah, that was that was our peak after two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. Um, 
we did sort of differentiate between fear and phobia. Phobias, um, yeah. I find fear to fear is definitely a broader spectrum. It's it's mm. defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm. Um, I think fear encompasses other things such as you know dread and shame and mm-hmm. i i think fear has its root in most of the bad things that you feel uh yeah. even even things that you dislike about yourself are probably deeply rooted in fear mm-hmm. um i know that just as an example of what i'm talking about i uh from a really young age i had not breathing difficulties but sinuses problems mm-hmm. um i've had like several operations and i had to get grommets in my ear and I uh, used to have really strong earaches as a result of my blocked nose, which yeah. I don't think I could breathe out of my nose until I was about 11 years old. Um, when I was a kid as well, I used to... Have you ever had a cold or like an illness so bad that you can feel your heartbeat in your ear? Yeah. Yeah, so I yep. had that like every day of my life as a kid. Jesus. Um, it used to be impossible for me to get to sleep and I used to feel like I was being tormented and stuff and it was like really 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 annoying um, but as I got older it improved and through operations mm. and stuff I got better and better and even in primary school in later primary school years I had sort of difficulty breathing through my nose and I breathed through my mouth so I was a mouth breather as a kid yeah. um, and I never knew that this was a problem or that I was alone in this like i never knew that mm. this wasn't a thing that everyone had um and one day i was doing a test in school and like everyone in the class was super quiet and you could hear anything and a lot there of you people, were just sat there going <sighs> yeah and loads of people were like shut the fuck up stop breathing so deeply and i never knew this was a thing and then like other people started laughing and stuff and uh, mm. i was like like completely perplexed i was like what 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 are you telling me to stop doing i I don't understand and they would do the breathing motion and i'd be like why are you doing that what what is your problem what what am i doing wrong and um it it turned out anyway that was breathing really loudly and that upset everyone for some reason so now as an adult i have like when i'm on a bus and i'm listening to music um I have to sometimes take the headphones out of my ear and make sure I'm not breathing too loudly. <laughs> and I absolutely cannot listen to headphones and walk at the same time because I, as soon as I start thinking about my breathing, I can't listen to the music anymore because I can't even hear it. All I can hear is myself trying to concentrate on my breathing. It's like that thing where you say to someone, you're now breathing on manual, go. And mm-hmm. the person immediately thinks about the breaths they're taking in and yeah. taking out, whereas usually that's a thing you do on autopilot. Mm-hmm. As soon as I have my headphones in... That's all I can think about is, oh, people are going to walk past me and I'll be like, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and it's made me, it's it's sort of ruined, like, listening to music while traveling for me. Like, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't get to do that as much as a normal person does. And that's really upsetting for me. And it's really a thing that's born out of a childhood fear. Um, mm. uh, or like a, a moment of sort of childhood embarrassment or, or something like that that yeah. has like legit carried into my adulthood and had a like music is a thing that's incredibly important to me to, like i listen to so much of it and so often and yeah. i'm so interested in it and uh yeah i kind of can't really do it at times when other people can <laughs> and that's deeply upsetting to me like on a serious note it really does annoy me 
<laughs> you saying about you know you know someone saying um you know you're now breathing manually yeah go it always reminds me and it's never particularly bothered me but people say you can now feel your tongue in your mouth yeah just think about that just think about the fact that your tongue's in your mouth just just have fun with that one, everybody, uh, if, like that bothers, how, if that bothers you. I made a really sincere, honest, <laughs> personal statement covering about 3,500 words, and you're like, you know, it's weird. Your tongue is in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few things like light-hearted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. No, but, you know, the... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't quite have um, anything like that with... Um, you know, with you know, in terms of something like that. I mean, the, the only thing that I can think of really is, and it seems really trivial as to what it's brought into my adult life. But I used to have recurring nightmares about um, kind of like intruders um, coming into my home and kind of killing my family, or you know, um, you know, just people breaking in and stuff. And I've, and for that reason, I can't sleep with my bedroom door open. Never, never have been able to. Yeah. I can't. I just can't do it. Like I, I know people that can sleep with their bedroom door open, no problem. It doesn't bother them whether it's open or closed. But I, I just can't do it. It's, it just doesn't sit right with me. It's like the last line of defence before I get murdered by, you know, an intruder. And that's that's kind of what stems. That's my thing that stems from childhood. That's the main one I can think of. I have this thing that um, I spoke to uh, my now girlfriend. On mm. our first date, we talked about this. Um, I could not go asleep in a room where the wardrobe door is open. Like, that's to be closed. You, I'm not comfortable with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can't sit in my room with the door open either. Like, if I, I remember one time I, I was sat here for ages. Uh, I was working on a video or something. And then I turned around and my bedroom door had been open. Like, I left it open when I came in. And it freaked me out, and I had to open and close it straight away and pretend that didn't happen. Like, to think that I was sitting yeah. there the whole time with the door open. And it is, like, it's a very similar um, thing to what you have, I would imagine. It's mm. it's a sense of um, unnerving. or Yeah, it's that kind of, like, it's security. Like, you know, you're going to, if someone is coming in with sinister intentions, you're going to hear the door handle. You're going to, you know, feel the air pressure change in the room. Yeah. Exactly. And you'll you'll be alert, whereas you know the doors wide open. You know they can just wander in and do whatever. And there's another thing that I've just remembered, and it still fucks me up to this day. Like I'm, at my parents' house, I'm currently at uni, but at my parents' house, we have a loft conversion, and my bedroom is in the loft, top of the house, the third story. It's the only room at the top of the house. And I have this big bay window at the back that overlooks our back garden, and Every time, if I go to kind of close the curtains and it's dark out and I, you know, I haven't closed them yet, for some reason my brain just goes, "What if there's someone at the window?" Mm-hmm. My windows aren't open; they can't get in. They have no possible way of getting in. A third story, they have no possible way of even fucking getting up there unless they brought quite a large ladder. <laughs> but my brain goes, "You're going to close the curtain, and there's going to be a fucking murderer outside." Yeah, I know. And uh, I get irrationally scared of that, and. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. It's definitely... Yeah. I actually, before I 
go into that as well. Mm. I have another one that's another weird one, like the breathing yeah. one, that I, I think, like, I understand that these are completely me, and I've never really met people who share these sorts of um, things. But when I was a kid, I remember we used to have, in the kitchen, there was, half the kitchen was tiled. Well, mm-hmm. it was actually um, those laminated things that are... That, uh, Linoleum. Yes, yeah. Lino. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Um and then the other half was a carpet that was kind of an oceany color. Um mm-hmm. the blue greeny ocean color. You know the one in, like the Thailand yeah, shore yeah. kind of color. Yeah. And I used to play with my toys on that side of the kitchen with the carpet mm-hmm. and um before I ever learned to cut my nails I was playing with uh I think they were like toy cars or something. And I brushed my nail. My nail was quite long. And um, mm. I brushed it along the carpet, and it bent backwards. Oh, and even thinking about this makes me so uneasy, right? And it's nothing yeah. to actually do with the nails, but um, the feeling or sensation of things on a carpet—I cannot have it. Like, really, we have, we have carpet in work, and there's like cardboard boxes that people—they're too heavy to lift, so people drag them push along, it along the, the floor. And that feel, that sound, that sensation of a yeah. thing on carpet. Like nails on a chalkboard for you. It is, yeah. Even yeah, like yeah. the thought of my nails touching a carpet. I mm. fucking, I am actually like, you, you, I'm in such a defensive position right now just thinking <laughs> about it. Like I've got my, my nails are, I'm putting my thumbnails into my other nails. And just so that I, I know that they're all clear of carpet. And like yeah. my shoulders are so close together. I, it makes me so fucking uncomfortable and so awkward. Mm. And it's because of that one time as a kid. But it's completely like it's a raw nerve thing. Now. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a trigger that mm. oh, I, I just can't deal with that at all. It makes me yeah. so, so uncomfortable. And I've, I posted about it on a forum once and one person <laughs> said they, they have the same thing. And that's the only yeah. time I've ever... Uh, met someone <laughs> with the same it's so fucking uncomfortable for me yeah yeah it's really specific yeah and like yeah. Uh, it happens in work all the time when people push those boxes along the carpet mm. and I just my oh, I just can't deal with it it's crazy yeah like I can't think of anything um, like really specific like that I don't know if just everything just was kind of like washed over me I was really nonplussed about everything as a child <laughs> Or, uh, or you know, if just there's a lot of things that I don't, because you know, speak, you know, when I speak to my girlfriend and she says, you know, what's your earliest memory? And it's like, uh, well, I remember when I was eleven. Uh, and it's like I don't really like remember my childhood. Yeah. I know it was good. I know I enjoyed it and all that. Um, for some reason, my memory just doesn't seem to work well for like early memories. You know, like, uh, you know, people talk about their first memory or like when they were really young and these things. And it's like, I don't kind of have that. Do you have, uh, out of interest, are there many photos of you as a kid? Yeah, quite a lot. Oh, really? That goes yeah. against the fucking theory I was about to Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, I've posted a few on uh, on Twitter as a joke where, you know, some of them where I look uh, wonderfully dashing with a flower painted on my chest. <laughs> stuff like that when I was like four or five or whatever but I there are barely any photos of me as a kid yeah um, like I I have one in my room um mm. there's a couple more lying around and some other members of my family have some but that's it like there's yeah. no 
I know why I don't have many memories as a kid, and it's because mm. I don't have many photographs to make up memories with. Because mm-hmm. a lot of your memories are made up, as yeah, yeah. I've spoken about before. Um, yeah. It's not... There just aren't any photos of me, and therefore I just don't have a huge recollection. Mm. But then I I have a really good perception of times and places and mm-hmm. people that I knew at certain times, and I I don't ever get confused between people who people are. And I've yeah. met like I've I went to like four different schools in two different countries, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people that I've met, just random names and stuff, and I have a really good ability to associate them all with the correct place and the, the correct names and yeah. faces and things like that and that's something that I'm really happy with um, but I don't have memories yeah you know I mean part of me wonders if you know kind of my lack of I've just thought this, thought of this now is that you know my lack of kind of memories of when I was younger kind of ties in with my almost not complete lack of sentimentality but I kind of I'm not a particularly sentimental person. It's like, it, it takes it takes quite a lot to, for me to be kind of like if I'm going through an old you know say my wardrobe and I'm trying to make space for whatever old toys that I had when I was a kid unless you know it was something really specific and really special it's kind of you know it's, it's out it's out the window it's gone. Yeah, that's I find that really strange and also really interesting um mm. i i it doesn't surprise me because i know the type of person that you are and you're very yeah. calculated and rational and logical mm. so why would you be sentimental because if anything sentimentality is probably one of the clauses that stops humanity from progressing you know what i mean yeah and, and like in a way sentimentality is probably one of the roots of the mentality i hate why you have to wear a suit to work and stuff like mm. that because it, it, it hacks yeah. back to the good You have days. to because because that's the way it is yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and I don't like that. But I am incredibly sentimental. <laughs> um, I haven't been so much in my later years, I have to say. I think I really did make a choice um, in my late teenage years to just become as rational as possible. Like, it was a, I, I felt it come over me, you know, that... You can't have emotional responses to things if you want to be an actual person. Like, if you want to be taken seriously, you can't lead with your emotion and let your emotion dictate the Mm -hmm. things that you do. And sentimentality is, like, the root of, you know, so many emotions and stuff. Um, That being said, I would be deeply upset if something happened to some of the items that I have in my room. Like, mm. I'd be really upset if I never saw some things again. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I kind of keep that. Like, I have so many things. I've got, like, a box full of stuff from when, uh, from my earlier dates with my girlfriend mm-hmm. and stuff. And, like, if something were to happen to those things, I'd be legitimately, like, really sad. Yeah. Like, I'd actually feel a huge sense of sadness within me. And that... I guess that's fine because it's to do with someone that you love or whatever. Mm, yeah. But I mean, isn't that what sentimentality is essentially is holding on to something. I think what I was saying to you earlier about nostalgia. Mm. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, you know, that's, you know, probably again, all linked in with your kind of strong sense of nostalgia as well. Strong lovers, nostalgia. I definitely 
do nostalgia more than mm. anyone else I've ever met. <laughs> like, there are t- what I was saying earlier as well about remembering um, smells and tastes and stuff like that. Just the fucking intro to some songs just takes me back and puts me in this mode of like, oh god, remember that summer and how good that summer was mm. and stuff like that. And I, everyone knows that like you put on a, a certain song in a pub, everyone will go crazy for it yeah. and stuff. But I do it with songs that are like I'll do it with like an album track from a, an Incubus album or something like that, and I'll be like, oh yeah, God, remember like this song and. I I don't know. Nostalgia is just an incredibly. Uh, it's something that has an incredibly strong hold of me, mm-hmm. and not in a way that I can articulate particularly well. Yeah. But I am the type to come home drunk and put on lots of music that I would <laughs> be ashamed to wake up the next morning and learn that I listened to that night. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. It's something that I actually dislike about myself because it holds me back. I feel. I feel like I get way too caught up in nostalgia, mm. but I think as long as I'm aware of it, then it's fine. But yeah, yeah, like self-awareness is kind of an important factor. If you're kind of just completely allowed yourself to be caught up in nostalgia, you'd never kind of return to the present day. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> you know, and like I have gotten quite good at like just binning sentimental items and mm. stuff like that. But still, that that will always be there. Like it's it's very much part of who I am. Is that I have really really strong connections with fond memories and i find it very hard to let go of them and that's kind of i i wonder sometimes if that's not the same thing is that sort of almost dreamlike state of reminiscing and stuff i wonder if Mm. that is very much tied to my I feel like I I fantasize about winning the lottery more than most people as well I, i think i'm probably just a dreamer Mm. Yeah. And uh, that is what I would define myself as. Summer's out.
What's going on guys? My name is Elden Hero and in the interlude to this episode you're listening to The Boys of Summer, the uh, song written by Don Henley. This is being performed by the Atarist, they're a punk rock band and I put this song in mainly because not only is it actually about nostalgia but it is probably the best song about nostalgia. Um, there's a part in it where he says those days are gone forever. I should just let him go, but, and then it goes into another epic version of the chorus, and that's just how I feel about all the nostalgia that I tried to articulate in the episode. I hope you guys are enjoying it so far. If you are, please do leave a like, and enjoy the rest of this song. Would you say, you, you said, you know, a dreamer, but would you say you're an optimist, pessimist, realist? Um, I'd say I'm all of them, to be honest. Yeah. Like, with, with differing um, levels of uh, efficiency. Like, I would say at my very core, I'm definitely a realist. Yeah. Like, I definitely understand that I will not win the lotto. And yeah. it will not happen, but... Again, I let my emotions rule me, and like today was my first day back in work. I was in the UK at the weekend, yeah. And uh, back in work today, it was fucking miserable because this was my Monday morning. Mm -hmm. So I bought two lottery tickets. Because, <laughs> like, I let my emotion run away with it. Like, yeah, it's. I find it really hard to let logic dictate some aspects of my life, and I feel mm. like it's almost a not a reward to myself, but like a gift to myself to be like here. Just buy this ticket, yeah. and the dream of winning it will tide you over until you're done. Yeah. And like, for context's sake as well, that's not in a pathetic, poor me way. I really like my job, and I'm really lucky to be in my job. And mm. I can totally pull myself out of that world and say, look, this is, with the sense of perspective that you should have, this is your job, and you really yeah. like it, and you're very lucky to be there. And like, I'm gaining so much experience from it, and I keep improving and stuff. <laughs> And it's all really important to me, but still, like, man, imagine winning the lotto. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, not having to work and being able to do what you want. Like, you can enjoy your job and still want to win the lotto and never have to work again. Yeah. It's, it, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. You can, like, if I had a job that I enjoyed and I won the lotto, of course I wouldn't work i you know there's you know there's so many things higher up on my list of you know my to-do list as it were that yeah, traveling and studying yeah traveling and stuff just you know 
enjoying myself. Like I can, I can enjoy my job, but that doesn't mean I'm enjoying myself. Yes. If that makes sense. That's yeah. That's very good as well. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, um, I think. Like uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> basically, I I think humans have like several different varying levels of happiness that they're yeah. okay with or not okay with. Like I I'd actually really like to do a podcast about happiness sometime. Mm. And just about how it is not a thing that, like, it's not this thing that you're going to achieve and have it be lasting. Like, it's about yeah. maintaining uh, and accepting things and stumbling into things. And there are so many different things that it encompasses, I think, that mm. we do a bad job of defining happiness and using it as a measuring stick mm. by which we... <laughs> determine good life or bad life and that's not good like <laughs> there's something to be said about the fact that i mentioned fear earlier and could come mm -hmm. up with so many like things that come from the root of fear like i even think like angst shame yeah. dread all of these things all come from fear like happiness is so different to that in the sense that people think of it as just one thing to work yeah. towards rather than <clears throat> something that you have to work with you know yeah and i think we've i think we've spoken about this before in a pub or somewhere but that kind of everyone's striving to be this kind of you know extreme level of happy constantly that they'll never reach it whereas you know if you kind of aim to just be content and there's nothing wrong with being content being content kind of kind of maintaining that level of content instead of aiming for happiness yeah missing it and dropping below content and then aiming for happiness again and kind of going in this way. If you can maintain content with kind of peaks and, you know, gentle peaks of happiness that so tracks towards happiness, then I think that's kind of what most people, you know, people that have to work at, you know, nine to five, that's what you aim for with kind of happiness as the kind of lotto win. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that, that's like, that is the story of my last five years or so was that, <laughs> I was aiming for happiness and I was going for like, falling short. Yeah. I, I was going for YouTube money. And <laughs> I say that in the sense that I did it all for the money. Like that's obviously a lie. I'm, I'm probably the only FIFA YouTuber that gets in touch with his self this much to, you know what I mean? Like whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I was going for YouTube as a career and I really wanted to make it work. And I kept on failing and just, feeling like really defeated like really badly defeated yeah. um and i i didn't really have a whole lot of um like extrovert abilities like just going out and doing stuff was really really hard for me um and now i'm in a nine to five and it's so different like i'm yeah. so fucking different compared to the person that i was last year or well, a year and a half ago now, or two years ago, like it's mm -hmm. actually incredible how different I am, and that's because I've accepted that you can't just fucking go for everything. Like you have to have a base by which you can jump towards the lotto win. You can't just mm. keep jumping and jumping and hope that you're gonna make yeah. it because it's not gonna work that way. And uh, that's really important too. Like it. Mm -hmm definitely dream and you know do everything that you yeah. can but um you'll find as well that the people who are the wealthiest in the world have a tendency to constantly seek out more wealth 
Um, and mm. the only difference between them and me buying the lotto ticket is that they have the experience, they got there, and now they can use everything they did to get there to do it again and do more and yeah. make it even easier for themselves. And it's just something that you have to work towards. And it can be a really hard thing to accept, but that's what life is, I mm. guess. Um, yeah. I don't think I'm done talking about fears as a kid. Because no. some of the most interesting stories and stuff as a kid were like Goosebumps. And mm-hmm. Did you read Goosebumps books? No, I never read Goosebumps. Ah, uh, they were fucking incredible. Unfortunately, yeah. So good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, there was a TV show called Are You Afraid of the Dark? And like stuff like that used to... I, I actually used to, to watch those quite happily. Like They didn't really scare mm-hmm. me. Um, yeah. But stuff like The X-Files... And shows like that you know, fucking scare me so bad. Um, I had... I don't know why this happened. But when I was a kid... Uh, mm. I guess I'll start off with an easy one, which is my fear of the ocean. Um, yeah. I can join you on that one as well. <laughs> that's, that's an easy one. Um, when I was like... I think I was like eight. Maybe seven, yeah. right? Um, we started swimming lessons in school. And... Mm. I everyone could swim and uh, they were like anyone who can't swim line up over there no one lined up over there and it's like everyone who can swim swim from here to here and everyone just jumped in and did it and I was like ah oh, well like I'm the same person as all of these people I've had the same number of years on the planet so if mm. they can all swim I can probably swim too and I remember jumping in looking up <laughs> falling more and more <laughs> towards the bottom and lifeguards pulling me out and everyone asking me, was I okay? And uh, yeah. since then, the ocean has scared me. <laughs> you see, I don't have... <clears throat> like, I've always been kind of wary of the ocean and uh, kind of respected it, I suppose. Um, the only thing that I can think of that stands out, and I wasn't even that young. I wasn't particularly young. <clears throat> like my... <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> Like my dad, my dad was um, a county swimmer when he was younger, and I've been brought up, and I've I've done uh, I I'm a, I was a county swimmer as well when I was younger, so I've always been a strong swimmer. So, and it's not kind of my inability to swim that's worried me; it's kind of a fear of the unknown about what's yeah. kind of bobbing below the surface, as it were, and it kind of manifested itself in this. Instant. I'm not sure if I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but we were um, we were on holiday in the south of France, and me and my dad had swam out to this. Um, it was like a bunch of big plastic containers uh, roped together. It formed like a floating platform. And it was anchored to the ocean floor. And it was just like a you know a diving platform where you could dive off and you know kind of that kind of thing. Um, but then by the time we got out there and we got onto it and looked down and we were surrounded by jellyfish like absolutely thousands of them Whoa. they weren't there before we got out looked around for a bit and suddenly they were there thousands of them and you know there were people kind of diving away and like diving over them and swimming before they could kind of like they weren't it they weren't going to they weren't like surrounding the the thing on purpose, like they were going, like there were sharks about to attack. You know, they're just jellyfish. They're jellyfish in attack formation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, spearhead formation. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, they were kind of just, you know, bobbing about as jellyfish do. 
but it's the fact it's this kind of the fact that they kind of just appeared all of a sudden out of nowhere and it freaked me the fuck out and thinking about it still freaks me the fuck out yeah and that's the only kind of manifestation of my fear of the ocean there's no it's really hard to come up with a more alien set of species as well than jellyfish like i saw a tweet the other day it's it's under the premise of god uh when he's like god just creating stuff yeah god creating jellyfish how about an evil bag (laughs) (laughs) that is like they are so and jellyfish live forever as well there are jellyfish alive now that have been here since the inception of the planet and that's terrifying yeah yeah. (laughs) the ocean is filled with things like that and things that we haven't even discovered yet and if that doesn't scare you who are you yeah like just it just no yeah it's just not right <laughs> like, no, it's i can't up. put it into words but it's like the fucking ocean floor could have anything on it like literally anything there are parts of that we, we we've explored more of the moon than we have of the ocean floors yeah like i think that's that's usually the the kind of the statistic that gets banded about when talking about these it's, things isn't it it's all of we it's we know more about space than we do about the ocean yeah that, that, yeah, that's not right. I don't think it is either. But I'd say there's probably some easy way of making it a, a quantified statement. You yeah. know, it's, well, in terms of the... And stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. I assume I didn't need to finish that with any actual No, words. no, don't worry. You don't have to finish that with any bullshit, bullshit <laughs> facts. Yeah. But, you know, like... We're, we're still finding animals that exist in... The oceans that have been that you know we've been able to explore for thousands of years, uh, and but we're also still you know popping out new planets and stuff that we haven't seen. Yeah, I actually to tie it back to the actual topic, um, like to link this with fear of the ocean. There's a movie called Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I've talked <laughs> about it before. It's got Kirk Douglas in it. Um, it's from nineteen fifty. I want to say might be okay. 58 maybe I don't know I have I'll it take your word for it <laughs> it's a great 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 movie I really really love it it has so much great moments in it despite being <laughs> from so long ago um, I won't say it holds up but it is such <laughs> a good watch like if it's ever on on a Sunday afternoon or whatever or you're off school and it's it's the thing that's on in the morning watch it it's <laughs> so good Um but there is a giant squid, which in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the book and the movie, mm-hmm. a giant squid famously attacks the Nautilus, which is their submarine. Yeah. Um, and this is a book that was written, I believe, in the late 1800s. Um, a giant squid attacks the crazy-looking submarine, and it's a hectic and really tense scene. Uh, eventually they do manage to defeat it but like it wasn't easy and and Mm. like it's very you're very aware of the fact that it's a really surreal thing that's happening Mm -hmm. but um the giant squid was a myth like there was no such thing as a giant squid when that was written like with its tentacles wrapped around a full-size submarine that that's not a thing that's ever happened until around 2007 when um, uh, ocean explorers, I think they were about 200 or 2,000, could have been either, off the mm. coast of Japan, miles, 
Um, <laughs> such a fucked up sentence. <laughs> Not um, Yeah, yeah. That's actually probably why I think it's the number two is because of 20,000 yeah. League. That's how memory works, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> I have source amnesia. I can't remember what the actual thing was, uh, yeah. so I may have just invented that because I know that it was some distance. I know, I know that it was... I thought oh, For some reason, I thought that Japanese fishermen had found one washed up somewhere. That happened as well, but it was yeah. after. Okay. Um, they actually found it and filmed it at the bottom of the ocean first, and then they found a live one washed up. But the one that they found washed up wasn't actually as big as the one they had discovered previously. Although its eye was bigger than a human head, as far as I That's remember. That's fucking nuts. No, I'm pretty sure the eye was like half the size of a human. Um, Jesus. But yeah, the the giant squid, it's a real thing. Yeah. It's someone dreamed that up and put it in, an, in a fictional book for a yeah. really surreal scene, and it it's fucking real. Yeah, it's fucking and real. It's lurking about on the ocean. Have you seen that earwig thing from the from the ocean floor? It, yeah, it's, it's an earwig that's about four foot in in length. Like, oh, it's fucking disgusting just thinking yeah. about that. But that's a thing that exists in the ocean. You could probably make something up within a within a, a certain degree of potential mm. ability to exist, and it probably exists. <laughs> And that's scary as fucking hell. Yeah, like, and it's like the blue whale is the largest mammal that's ever existed yep. on the planet, full stop, yep. right, from the beginning of time. That Sometimes we don't know where they go. Yeah. Like, they've put trackers on them, and they've tried to track them, and they go so fucking deep that they can't track them anymore. And we don't know where they go, and they'll just pop up like a week later. They go it doesn't. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Nah. It makes absolutely no sense. It's, but it's a thing that happens regularly. Yeah, I can't ever articulate as well as I would like to my fear, which <laughs> is in equal levels a fascination with yeah. motion. Like it is it, an incredible. It really thing. sounds like I'm joking, but it really fucking weirds me out. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and I think I actually genuinely think that twenty thousand leagues under the sea is a huge reason for my yeah. sort of like there is one scene early on in the movie where they don these sort of almost astronaut suits and they go to the bottom of the ocean to a sunken pirate ship or something like that and just looking at that at the time fascinated me watching the fish wiggle in and out of different compartments of the ship which reminded me of uh, a goldfish. Um, in fact, a huge fish tank that my granddad used to have with like sunken ships and all all the bits and stuff, and it mm. used to always fascinate me as a kid. Like I used to always, in all the stories that I made up when I was playing with my toys and stuff, there was always an underwater lair, and it's it's always been like a huge source of fear and fascination. Like it's spectacular, mm. it's amazing. They need to do more movies about the ocean. I feel like. You know the movie Sphere with uh, Dustin Hoffman and yeah, um, like the first half of that movie totally. I really really loved it. It turns out to be a garbage movie with a garbage message, but um, the first half of it I was so fucking into because it's a crazy alien thing in the ocean basically. Yeah, I've never seen The Abyss, but I've I haven't ever really heard anyone big it up mm. to the point where I should watch it. But they need to do more ocean related stuff. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I'm sure I'm pretty sure we spoke about this um, when we spoke about the um, when we did fears and phobias because we spent I think a long time on 
the ocean in that as well. Yeah. But seriously, everyone just Google ocean depth diagram and look at the fucking really long one that's quite thin and it details, you know, how deep everything is and how deep things go. And the fact that, you know, at the bottom, at 36,000 feet, it just says the lowest known point in the ocean. It's believed that there are lower and undiscovered points as only 10% of the ocean has been mapped. Yeah. <sighs> That's unreal. Yeah, it is. It's, Absolutely unreal. It's mega. 36,000 feet. Ugh. Yeah. I just don't know. <laughs> no, there's just not words, is there? Like... No, it's, it's bizarre. Also, you know what's a cool thing to Google? Underwater rivers. Ah, uh, underwater rivers are amazing. They're so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, the uh, <laughs> I love how like the the biggest recurring theme on this podcast is the ocean. <laughs> it's because of what lurks beneath, and we all know exactly what lurks beneath. That's that's very true. Um, I want to venture into something else that mm. I had a huge fear of as a kid, um, and I think. It's probably due to the fact that I had a at least semi-Catholic upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like went to several Catholic schools and had to deal with all the religion stuff. Mm. Um, and there was a time when I would have claimed to have believed in God and been religious and stuff. Yeah. I would have claimed I was a Catholic. I don't know if I ever truly believed in God and that he especially cared about how faithful I was and mm. stuff like that. But I definitely believed in the devil and I definitely was fucking terrified of the devil <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, to like really absolutely un- unbelievable uh, levels. And I, I, I think it's because the devil, if you think about it, is the perfect monster or bad mm-hmm. you know, villain, scary beast thing because it can be fucking anything. Yeah. Like it can be anywhere, it can be anyone, mm-hmm. anything. Like I, I saw the movie End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, the what's the guy's name? Fuck! Why can I not remember his name? The Irish actor he plays the devil in it. Uh, He's in Miller's Crossing. Uh. Oh dear God! This is. Uh. What was the name of the film again? End of Days. To the internet. Yeah, yeah, you find out. Yeah, I will do that. Uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne, yes. Gabriel Gabriel Byrne plays the devil in it. And, yes, um, he does. He's like just a really like charming guy that everyone wants to be and stuff like that. And then he has this ability to manifest himself as other people. And there's one mm. part where like he pisses on a guy and then lights it on fire because obviously the devil's piss is flammable yeah, and stuff nice. yeah, but every yeah, time right. the devil appears in that movie this really scary music comes on and even just thinking mm. of that as a kid used to fucking terrify me <laughs> um, and it really did like properly ruin me I remember I once had this dream that I tried to destroy the devil yeah. and I woke up the next morning terrified to move from my bed in case the actual devil found devil out come. about that yeah, it'd be angry at you yeah, and like it plotting his to, demise. Like, it literally ruled like a part of my life where, like, I can I can remember like a good few months there, um, last year. No, uh, I was like, <laughs> I, I, but I was of an age where I should have really known better. I think I was like eleven, um, and twelve, and even nah, never into secondary school. I never had fears like that. 
But, yeah, I was fucking terrified of the devil. Yeah. Just so, like, you know, being in a dark room, he could be in here, and I might yeah. see his eyes open and glow in the dark, <laughs> that kind of thing. And that's it, that's the end for you. Yeah, that's it. Like, darkness has the same, when you're a kid at least, darkness has the same properties as yeah. what we think of the ocean now. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. In that yeah, we it's know, just that whole fear of the unknown. We know more about space than we do about the dark. <laughs> we know exactly the same amount as we know about the space as we know about the dark well space is dark the space is full of the dark that's right that's a fact right there um it, I, I was expecting the fear of the dark wikipedia to be more substantial than having <laughs> a some researchers beginning with sigmund freud consider fear of the dark as a manifestation of separation anxiety order is why is sigmund freud like why is Sigmund Freud? I think I'll just leave it there. Why is he? Like he's just—he's just the—he's uh, just a name that everybody knows, and they can go, "Yes, that is a psychologist." But was he at some time a groundbreaking? Like I just don't get it with him. Everything that he says is pretty much all the same thing. But um, it's all about the penis. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is with yeah. him. Um, but um. When Dara was on the podcast, he gave mm. a really good theory about fear of the dark and how it goes back to like the hunter-gatherer days, um, and just darkness is the perfect time for yeah predators. Yeah, like yeah, wolves can see in the dark and stuff like that, and yeah, it makes perfect sense. But I do wonder a lot about theories like that. Like, how easy is it to just say that? You know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, like it's always. Like, oh, the elephant drinks water with his trunk because it's he can't kneel down and drink it that way. And it's like, maybe he drinks water with his trunk because that's just the way he drinks water. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't... I don't know. A lot of that evolutionary stuff, I, I think it's nonsense because, yeah. uh, you know, evolution's not real. No, no, of course not. Shout out to Richard Dawkins. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to know whether or not. I, I think there's a lot of stuff that we really need to understand about evolution and how it mm -hmm. how it actually works from in terms of implanting these sort of inbuilt fears and everything. I I think it seems to me to be perfectly rational to be afraid of the dark because of the fact that anything could happen mm. and you might not know yeah. it. But um, in terms of like being afraid to put my leg down next to the bed in case because <laughs> someone comes out and grabs it, yeah, yeah like that—that's always a yeah. good thing because yeah. of an episode of Goosebumps that I saw. <laughs> um, yeah, the stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, there's a ton of stuff tied into the darkness, but I think it all stems from, you know, that kind of unknown of the darkness. Stuff like anything could be living under your bed. Yeah. In the closet. Even as an adult, <laughs> like spiders or whatever, like they could come at you in the dark. Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess having a fear of the dark, it would be a great um, booster of all your other fears, if you know what I mean. Mm. A great amplifier of all yeah. your other fears. Yeah, definitely. Because they are, you are just more vulnerable and more susceptible to danger when you're in the dark. I yeah, think that's probably what it is. But um. I was never really bothered by the dark as much as I was bothered by the devil. 
who really ruined me as a kid. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to say? Uh, I think I've covered all the bases for for my fears, which, you know, aren't particularly extensive. I wasn't, I wasn't, it's not that like I was a fearless child. It's just that my fears were quite, you know, simplistic. Yeah. I boiled down to the dark and the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Mankind's greatest. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, religion in, uh, in, in my life. So, you know, the devil kind of was just kind of a, a non-issue for me, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do wonder, like, the devil that we learned about in school is like it's not even referenced in the Bible, mm. and devil or Satan, I think Satan comes from the Latin word for villain, and it's just as far as I know, Lucifer was not the only demon, not the only angel who was banished from heaven. Like there were loads of devils, and devils are only represented in the Bible as demons and stuff, and it's a kind of a grey area for me because while I've read massive amounts of the bible i still feel like i don't know anything about it and uh it's it's very hard mm. to actually wrap my head around and i think it's a lot more simplistic for teachers and parents to tell you that you have to do this or god won't let you into heaven yeah or what's even worse than fear of god is fear of the devil because yeah the devil does it because he enjoys it whereas god yeah. does it because you're bad <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I am much more willing to accept <clears throat> that evil exists than that <laughs> I am the evil. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Cause a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains Within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Neath the halo Turn my collar to the cold and When my eyes were stuck by the flash of a neon light Split the night And touch the sound So that was our episode on how childhood stuff affects adulthood stuff. Hopefully we did a good job. If you guys liked it, please leave a like on whatever format you're listening to this on. I really, really appreciate the support. We're listening to James Blake's take on the sound of silence. I think any song that has the words, hello darkness, my old friend has a pretty obvious footing in this episode with the shape that it took. The intro, for anyone who doesn't know, was the intro to The Outer Limits, which is a show from the 1960s that told lots of crazy stories and science fiction tales and thought experiments and things like that. It was a really cool show. So until next time, that's the end of the episode. We're going to end with the conversation from before we started recording. I've been El De Niro. Thank you so much for listening. 
Hear my words that I might teach you Take my arms that I might reach you But my words like silent raindrops fell And echoed in the world of silence And the people bowed and prayed To the neon god they made And the sign flashed out its warning In the words that it was for me And the sign said the words of the prophets Are written on the subway walls And tenement halls And whispered in the sound of silence I got a new mouse today and it like glows all different colours and that's really Fancy. all it takes to keep me happy. Fancy. I bought one that's just about twice the size of a normal mouse. Yeah, mine's massive as well. Yeah. It fits my gigantic hands. <laughs> it's such a like weird thing that just this mouse arriving made me happy. Yeah, I know. I fucking I love just getting shit in the post. It's great. Yeah, it, it's like a legit key to happiness. Just yeah. you know, buy yourself something nice. Change the wallpaper on your computer screen. You know, something yeah. to look forward to. It's good stuff. It is. It is. Have you seen the Revenant yet? No. I saw it the other day. What did you think of it? Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, everyone yeah, in work... Yeah, it was fantastic. Everyone in work is saying that it was terrible. And I oh, was, they don't know shit. That's, what, that's like the first thing I was... I haven't even seen it. And to be honest, like I don't even have a desire to see it yet, even though I appreciate that it's probably amazing. I just... I'm not there yet with it. It's quite slow-paced, and there's literally... periods of about 20 minutes where there's no talking. Yeah. And that can be tough, but some of the cinematography is like the cinematography and the sound design is phenomenal. Yeah, that that director is amazing. Yeah, and the um, I've been it turns out I've been following the cinematographer on a. I was sitting there watching the film. I was like, um, a lot of this looks really familiar. Like I've seen a lot of these landscapes before. I'm sure of it. Turns out I've been following the cinematographer on Instagram for about a year and a half. <laughs> so I've seen all of his him like posting landscape photographs from like the set and stuff. But yeah, it was really interesting. I uh, I'm actually just back from Leicester. Oh, nice. I went to see Star Wars again. <laughs> I still haven't even seen it once. First time. Seriously? Oh my god. Nope. I know. I know. I'm behind. I'm gonna see it again. Again. I've seen it three times now. Fucking hell. And I will see it again. Yeah, I saw the um the big short last night. Oh, what's that like? Um, kind of intellectual like you know I went in kind of expecting something Wolf of Wall Street-esque yeah 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 don't go in expecting that Um, it's a lot more actual like a biopic it's more of a biopic than a yeah than anything else I suppose I suppose is the best way to describe it but um, I now actually understand what happened with the um, 
uh, the housing crisis and the housing market crash and stuff. So, oh, it's one of those. I, like, yeah, movies with a um, cast as good as that are rarely perfect. Like, yeah. You don't really Do you know what? That's what someone. That's what someone um, said to me last night when I tweeted that. He said, uh, "Was the movie good? Movies with good mainstream casts often lack a lot of quality." Yeah. Yeah. Literally mirrored exactly what you said. I am that guy. <laughs> yeah. I've only got three subscribers. Two of them are you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I finally got around to watching uh, Sicario as well the other day. Oh, what did you think of that? Absolutely phenomenal as well. That yeah, was excellent. Really the cinematography was amazing. Yeah, it's a deadly movie. Although I think the uh, that line about how um, CIA are not allowed to without a domestic agent attached yeah. I, I think I'm pretty sure that that's bullshit yeah I I, I you know I, I'm happy to suspend belief for yeah, uh, same. for the case of a movie for you know these kind of secret government agencies as it were to do whatever the fuck they want the way they read that line out the two of them together recited it as if it was such an yeah. obvious thing it just I'm so fucking cynical like I've just turned into the worst oh, yeah. person I was just immediately thinking like well I bet that's not true <laughs> I googled it I couldn't find anything any code anywhere on the yeah. internet and that was back like that was the night the movie came out was when I yeah. saw it so it, it, I mean it's probably there now but it wasn't at the time uh, I was watching Jessica Jones yeah and like I liked it so much that I want to buy a new TV. Does that make sense? Have you ever just appreciated <laughs> how well something is shot and how yeah. how well the colors all blend yeah. together and stuff? Like I just I started looking at 4K TVs after yeah. seeing it. I was like, I I just don't like my monitor is great and I love it. It just doesn't do that show justice. No. And then I was thinking about how I want to get that, and then I want to buy Mad Max and stuff. And yeah, nice. Yeah, what did you think of Jessica Jones? Have you finished watching it or? I just watched the first episode last night. Ah, uh, right. It was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched. I've seen. I've watched it all. I binge watched it in about two or three days. Yeah, I want to avoid doing that because I did yeah. that with Daredevil, and like I miss Daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. Mm. Like I've um. Since we last spoke, I'm now on season 10 of It's Always Sunny. Fucking hell. Yeah, man, it's... I've got fucking problems. Uh, I did the same thing with that show. Uh, season 10, episode 4 is fucking incredible. I think I'm on, like, episode 5. What one's episode 4? Charlie Work. The Charlie Work, episode. yes. So that episode good. is fucking hilarious. It's phenomenal. Like, it's one of the great... It, it's literally the highest rated IMDb TV episode of anything ever. Really? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. It was it was wonderful. Mm. Really, really good. I'm just finishing these love hearts <laughs> that I got for Christmas. Fucking hell. Speaking of things, like childhood things that uh, affect your adulthood, the amount of fucking sugar I ate. Ah, uh, unreal amounts of sugar as a child. And, like, I can't eat that now, like... I just had, like, it's the baby packet of love hearts. There's, like, five mm. love hearts in it. Yeah. I fucking hate it. It makes me want to gag. <laughs> it's just so sweet. What the hell is that about? And I used to eat, like, exclusively that as a kid. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I could still eat that much. Uh, I couldn't. Well. I just don't. <laughs> Alright, let's do this. Let's rock and roll. <clears throat> <clears throat> 